Hello, and welcome to another episode of the CFAL Talks Economic Podcast. My name is Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments at CFAL, and I will be hosting this two-part series titled Using Public-Private Partnerships to Stimulate the Bahamian Economy. In studio with me today are Anthony Ferguson, President and Founder here at CFAL, Lachelle White, Investments Manager, Angelo Butler, Senior Analyst, and together we will be having an in-depth discussion on the topic at hand. As we exited 2020 with a sense of relief that we made it and transitioned into 2021, the focus for 2021 should be to rebuild. That's rebuilding infrastructure and rebuilding public sector finances. One such tool that can be used in this rebuilding effort is public-private partnerships. To this end, during his 2021 Bahamas Outlook communications, Prime Minister and Minister of Finance Dr. Hubert Minnis announced that his government plans to use one of the most ambitious and dynamic public-private partnership initiatives to build Abaco and Grand Bahama following the devastation to these islands brought on by Hurricane Dorian. A public-private partnership, or PPP for short, is defined as a long-term contract between a private party and a government agency for providing a public asset or service in which the private party bears significant risk and management responsibility for building, financing, and servicing a piece of public infrastructure. During this episode, we will explore how to use the varying PPP structures to assist with the Bahamas' economic growth and development. So panel, let's just get right into the discussion. Given the definition used, should the government of the Bahamas even pursue such structures? I think so, most definitely, especially now that we have had the pandemic, we've had um, Hurricane Dorian, and our country is sort of, I don't, well, a, a des- almost a desperate state of need of um, infrastructure and improvement. Um, but I think that the government has to take a targeted approach um, towards um, PPEs. Um, they have to find, identify those areas um, where we have the most needs, um, perhaps look at the three pillars of a successful economy, look at healthcare, look at education, um, look at national security and see what is needed there. The government doesn't have to um, manage everything. Um, they don't have the expertise to manage everything. And sometimes I think things sort of fall by the wayside because of mismanagement. So I think definitely um, this is the time for us to look at PPEs, and as well, I can add that we really don't have, we're not in the fiscal position um, to um, fund all of these infrastructure efforts that are needed for the country. And I would agree. The word expertise, I think, is a good um, word. Um, you know, the government has certain areas where they have expertise and the private sector similarly has areas where they have expertise. And so I think balancing that, that expertise, you know, the government, with its more so social welfare and looking after the citizenry and then, you know, combining that with the private sector um, efficiency, profitability um, mindset, you know, can be the best solution um, in some scenarios in terms of getting things done. And like Lachelle said, um, you know, generally the private sector um, is looking for investments. Um, and so there's some excess and surplus capital that they're looking to allocate. And I think, you know, the government in some 
areas has that shortfall and you know it's just a, a natural fit I think. I mean the only thing I would like to add though is you know I pr- perhaps we need to step back a little and you know the definition of public-private partnership um, in various jurisdictions means different things so in this under civil code jurisdictions is different from under um, a place like the Bahamas. And so um, the other thing is I think we need to prioritize, again, what is the government's plan for the next five, 10 years, and which public-private partnership or which sector of the economy the government believe is best suited to be um, privatized in a public-private partnership. Now, Generally speaking, procurement of services where there's not much risk is usually not included in these public-private partnerships because if there's not much risk, then government really don't need to transfer that uh, uh, to the private sector, and they should they should keep it. But um, when you're talking about public-private partnership, you know, is it inclusive of utilities? If it's going to include utilities. Are the necessary regulations are in place to ensure that um, the Bahamian citizenry uh, are not unduly um, um, charged um, excessively for uh, the services. And so um, the other thing is, you know, if you're going to do, let's say, utilities as an example, are we going to use a bill on transfer? Um, so there are different models. So, I, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about public-private partnership, but I think um, the Bahamas needs to define what it wants from a public-private partnership, prioritize the sectors that it wants to um, 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 utilize the public-private partnership, as my colleagues say here, that, you know, given the, the constraints on, on, the, on the, um, the purse of the, the Bahamas, uh, we need to be very targeted. And so, again, I think um, while it's good and it's something that a lot of persons have been calling for over the years, uh, we need to clarify what our definition is and then what are some of the expectations and then again, what are some of the guidelines and, and the objectives and if these things are not achieved, what are the penalties associated uh, with these um, potential uh, lucrative contracts? Yeah, I agree. I agree. We should use it to help us with the delivery of public service using innovation and um, creativity and also to help transfer skills where they don't exist in the public sector. So given that you feel it's a a good idea to pursue uh, such structures. What are some of the criteria government should consider when selecting public-private partnerships? Well, I think you first have to look at um, whether you want um, a foreign versus domestic um, partnership. If there's some expertise that isn't um, available locally, then you may wish to go out um, internationally to look for a partner. Um, I think you also have to make sure that you know, the risk is shared. Um, You don't want a situation where all of the rewards go to the investors, but all of the risk lies with the government. So it has to share the risk, but at the same time share um, the benefit, not only amongst the investors, but as well as the end um, consumers. And I think sometimes that is, you know, a difficult criteria for the government in terms of negotiating to make sure, you know, at the end of the day, everyone wins um, and no one is taken advantage of. But I mean, an example of, of that, and you spot on, Angelo, is the Arawak port development. So that, that's essentially a public-private partnership that is working effectively. However, um, what government did was if um, there's a cap in terms of the return on investments um, 
for the company. So if the company makes, let's say, 30 40%, they have to pass on the savings the following year to the end consumer. So that's one way to control um, um, that, you know, first of all, they do not, you know, overcharge the consuming public. But more importantly, if there's a windfall, that the Bahamian public benefit by reduced charges. Um, and so that's, that's a perfect, a good example of where the government, I believe, got it right in terms of a public-private partnership. Um, the uh, NASA airport development, again, is another area of where um, I believe all can agree is a good public-private partnership. We have a foreign partner um, that has the overall contract. However, um, um, you know, it's now managed, essentially, I believe, by an entire Bahamian team. So I don't think in the beginning they had some um, foreign uh, expats um, working there, but I believe now um, um, it's run entirely by Bahamians. And again, it's another um, um, example of where I believe the government got it right. The new cruise port, I believe, um, that's being developed is another area where the government got it right in terms of increased um, benefits to the government in terms of cash flow once, you know, crews um, are resume. And then we can talk about where the government got it wrong in terms of the public privacy. So I think there are very, very good examples where it has been done effectively. And if you were to include all of the total investments between NAD Iraq port and the expected investment at the, um, the cruise port, that's nearly a billion dollars worth of uh, uh, public-private partnership um, investments. Um, I agree with both Angelo and Anthony. I think that the experience and expertise of the partner should be um, a foremost consideration, um, as well as I guess we also have to look at financial viability. You don't want to partner with somebody who's going to go bankrupt in one or two years. And another important thing that we often don't consider is the sort of almost the social responsibility of the partner. Um, what, are, what um, how do they, how are they gonna treat employees? Are they environmentally and socially conscious? So I think those things are important and I do agree um, with Anthony um, when he spoke about um, APD and that. I think that those are great examples of public-private partnerships that we have gotten right. And at the end of the day, they um, benefited Bahamians. I think adding to what you all have said also is um, international competitive bidding process. I think there needs to be a transparency in terms of, of how the government select these pro these projects and how they will operate. Just today in the papers, uh, the U.S. 2020 Investment Climate Report, they talked about how there's no transparency and the laws are so antiquated and so and contracts are given to political supporters. And I think that affect the level of progress um, when we're dealing with public-private partnerships. I think that's very important for us to, to take note of when we talk about PPPs. Yeah, and I also think that sometimes um, we get, we say this is, well, the government may say this is a PPE when it's just a, a contract, like you're just given a contract, you're not really partnering um, with anyone, you're just giving a, a government contract. So as Anthony said before, um, we have to, I think that the government does have a PPE policy, but I don't know if it's ever been put into practice or tested and tried, but we have to um, define what we mean by public-private partnership and what we want to get out of it. And to also, in addition, to have it uh, ingrained in the law 
make it become statutory so that you know we know how this is going to be governed and it will be governed as the law dictates as opposed to side deals where persons can um, get benefits that are not afforded to all um, as it relates to PPPs. So what does a successful PPP look like? I think broadly speaking, um, a successful PPE, you know, holistically is, um, you know, a project that serves the interests of all parties in, in a mutually um, beneficial way. Um, now, success could be deemed different. There are some, you know, some goods where um, it may not be profit driven, um, you know, if, the, if it's for social welfare or social well-being, um, you know, the project, the government may not be getting any direct income from it, but the benefit to society may be successful. So you'll have some public-private partnerships where um, the government will actually get income from them, but some of them, you know, the government may have to put money into every now and then. And, you know, as long as the benefit outweighs the direct cost, especially the cost that the government would incur doing it on its own, um, I think, you know, that can be considered a successful um, PPP project. But I mean, uh, many people define success differently, and success is not only defined by how profitable, as you said, a company is or uh, a venture is. Success um, carries with it um, various meanings in terms of social responsibility, in, in terms of environmental responsibility, and of course, of course, profit. And so, um, you know, successful, uh, as we spoke about earlier, I think we, we have, you know, several, I'm given several examples of successful uh, private-public partnership, um, you know, where there's not a successful one. I think the first public-private partnership in this country, um, you know, from a public perspective is Bank of the Bahamas. You know, Bank of the Bahamas used to be part of what we just used to be called Bank of Montreal. Um, and, you know, it was converted, it was acquired, it became Bank of the Bahamas, and, you know, for the most part, uh, was successful. Um, had its challenges uh, for any number of reasons, and, and I would like to proffer that perhaps its um, turnover of its board of directors, you know, two times every five years is, is, is just not uh, good for any public-private partnership where the boards are appointed with not particular skill sets um, that would cause the um, partnership to uh, succeed. So that's an example of what I call, what I would say in our most recent time, um, we have not been um, particularly um, um, successful at. Um, Cable Bahamas, where the government has a substantial interest or a life, or where the government owns like 51%, but Telco or PTCS is known where the government has substantial interest. You know, those are all public-private partnership. I think where we got it wrong is we had no definition at the time of what a public-private partnership should look like. And then, of course, we didn't have the definition of what success should look like. And on top of that, we didn't have um, any long-term objectives and, and, and um, penalties associated with how those transactions should, should um, 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 perform. And so I think going forward, we need to put in place those, those um, 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 constraints, those objectives, those penalties in place so that uh, we have def very concrete defined definitions of what success should look like. And I think that that also ties into um, what you were saying earlier, Pam, about transparency. Um, we need to define how the PPP to is going to be operated, what deliverables 
is the partner expected um, um, to deliver and what penalties um, are going to be um, implored if, if the partner fails at this. And I think that sometimes we just sort of like to do things in a little bubble and we don't get public engagement in it. Um, you don't, the public doesn't know like what is this person supposed to be doing? Who, how is performance being measured? Um, but um, to go back to the initial question of um, what um, a successful um, partnership should look like, I think that it should be something with limited government intervention, but with government oversight. Um, like you said, um, we have to put maybe put laws in place, but you also have to have a well-defined agreement. Um, also, how does the partnership um, benefit society at large? Um, did it do what it was supposed to achieve? Um, are there one-year goals, five-year goals, 10-year goals? And who is measuring these goals to determine if the partnership was a success? You mentioned Bank of the Bahamas, Anthony. So give me some examples of PPP structures used in the Bahamas and also recommendations on where you think it will be best suited currently. Um, I, um, I was thinking, when I was thinking about it, I um, was thinking about the CCTVs that we have. We have these cameras around the island. They're not operational, I don't think. Most of them aren't. Um, this is something where the government could possibly um, partner with a private firm. I don't know if there are going to be any national security concerns, but I think that, okay, if this is something that the police has access to, but you have a company that is managing um, the equipment that is responsible for maintenance and, you know, um, doing um, IT calls, troubleshooting, I think that that can be something that's beneficial to the country, especially um, given our high crime volumes. Um, so that's another thing, for a tool for the police to use. There are several um, areas, I think, um, you know, for the government, for example, they may wish to get um, a private investor to build schools or hospitals, um, you know, and then they just pay some sort of rental agreement um, with them. And an example of this was um, a PPP that was announced with Eight Mile Rock Construction, um, where they built a facility for the government. And, you know, over 10 years, they just pay that um, investor, you know, annual rent and you know, in some cases that's beneficial because we've seen where the government has had um, challenges maintaining buildings. And so, you know, if that's going to persist, perhaps it's best to, you know, um, have these companies do PPPs such as this um, and the government just, you know, be responsible for paying um, its rent. I also think, um, you know, in, in our case, it may be difficult to do a PPP for a road as is done in a country such as the U.S. where they can actually put tolls and, so forth on bridges and stuff. So, I mean, we do have a bridge here where there's a toll and that's been, you know, pretty successful, I would say. Um, but, you know, there's some areas where we can mimic what's done in other countries, but in some areas it may be a bit challenging for us. But again, right, it goes back to what do we expect to get out of a public-private partnership? No one has articulated from a government standpoint what the expectations are, um, and, and so until we define what we really want out of a public-private partnership and then focus on the priority areas um, that the government wish to um, expedite capital investments, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's here not there. Um, I believe where we need 
almost urgently, um, a public-private partnership is, as you indicated, Angelo, the hospital, right? So we need to put in place uh, um, where we joint venture with um, international um, hospitals um, to provide, you know, some sort of management. Um, the private sector will build um, the, um, the, um, the facilities, maintain it. Um, and one of the, the big advantage of a public-private partnership depending on how it's constructed and in terms of the agreement, is you, generally speaking, will get a reduced capital outlay. For most government projects, the initial cost is, let's say, 10 million. By the time it's finished, it's 20, 30 million. If a private sector is doing it, when they calculate their expected return on 10 million, if the expected return is 10%, and the cost overrun is now up to 20 million. That means your effective um, return is now only 5%. And so you can't explain that to your investors. And so what a public-private partnership in that respect will do, will, will, will provide significant cost controls, uh, which should eventually reduce government's burden in terms of its um, borrowing and its interest payment. So uh, we have a lot to discuss, but again, I think, you know, back to the critical point, Government has to articulate what it is that they want, uh, what are the parameters surrounding those private public-private partnership, and what are the top priorities. So, for instance, Bahamas Air. In today's world, there's no need to have Bahamas Air. Bahamas Air is a burden on the economy. There are sufficient private operators that can provide the routes. To, particularly to the family islands, let Bahamas Air focus on the international routes and perhaps provide the um, uh, maintenance facilities and the oversight in terms of, of ensuring that planes are adequately kept, et cetera. Uh, we could reduce that 25 to 40 million a year outlay that we spend every year for what? No reason. Let's look at um, um, ZNS. Today we have 25 plus private radio station. There's no need for ZNS. What is costing us? 10 to $15 million every year that goes in a black hole. Um, you know, if we don't arrest some of these problems and challenges, uh, the IMF and the international agencies are gonna come in here one day and force these things upon us. And I would suggest and, uh, that we uh, take a look at ourselves today and ensure that no one dictates our terms, but we put a plan in place to um, 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 position ourselves to, um, to get rid of some of these cooperations and make them into public-private partnership. You mentioned Bank of the Bahamas earlier, and I know initially the, the structure was 51% government-owned and 49% the public. And to, um, today, it's about 80-plus percent government, and the public has the remaining um, share balance. Do you think this structure needs to be revisited? to more of like a, a public-private type partnership where the private uh, partner has management and operational control as opposed to what exists right now? If it's to be successful, um, absolutely. Uh, you know, the reality is, um, like I said, the government will appoint a board every five years if there's a change, and then every two years they will put new board members, and you look at some of the board members, they have no experience in the banking um, financial sector, which um, 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 has become more and more very um, complicated. But um, when you do that, um, you, you, the ability to attract 
deposits that you would need to, to manage a bank, et cetera, um, is, is, is very, very difficult. So if you look at, um, let's take the Bank of the Bahamas. Yeah, we went through the recession, but for the most part, most of the banks locally still made money, probably less of amount, but they still made money and they took their hits. But Bank of the Bahamas, you know, the government had to step in and, and, and inject over 100 plus million dollars that we, the Bahamian people, have to pay for. So those are the type of things that we need to address. And this way, again, it goes back, what's the big picture? What are our expectations? And, and, what, and what do we um, think and, and believe is success in that respect? Yeah, I think public-private partnerships should answer a question of a public problem. There's a public problem that we have, and can the public-private partnership solve that problem? If I were to make a recommendation, I think we should have a public-private partnership with BPL. Uh, the problem with BPL is it is unable to provide affordable, reliable energy to the citizenry. And so the public-private partnership will come in and help to solve that problem with the management and operation and also board seat. Because I think it is not beneficial to raise the monies that we are seeking to raise for BPL and to put it into a structure that exists that probably caused BPL to be in the position that it is in today. So in my book, it will be throwing good money after bad. And so if they're gonna raise the money, I think that structure has to change in order for BPL to really give the service that the, the citizens require in the Bahamas. I agree. I think that, um, like I said before, government um, doesn't need to have, I think the government likes to control everything for some reason. So when you have these public-private partnerships, it should be mostly owned by- Sorry, stick up in, not like to, con the, the, the purpose of the controlling is for political patronage. Let's just be very candid. Okay. And we can because the U.S. <laughs> just wrote in their report for the world to see what's going on in terms yeah. of our investment climate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. I'll, I'll um, um, agree with that and, and roll with that. Um, I think that, um, and that's the issue, like for, because we want that political um, control over things. So we always, um, so the government, I should say, always wants to sort of have the last word, even if it's detrimental um, to achieving what the public-private partnership was developed for. Um, I was reading earlier in the paper today um, um, where I think it was a real estate um, agent and he was talking about um, real property taxes and how we're not collecting about 40% of real property taxes because the system is so antiquated. Um, you're using, um, you're mailing um, real property tax bills to persons and we know um, our um, mail system isn't um, the best. So it's, it's things like this that, you, like you said before, Pam, we require innovation. And this can um, possibly help if we can increase our revenues because we have all of this money out there on the table, but we keep introducing these new taxes or we keep going after the people, the same people all the time to collect taxes. So I think that the government needs to take a step back, see what we need in this country and learn to know that, yes, you should have oversight of everything. You should put laws in place um, to govern everything, but you do not have to manage and control everything, especially if it's not beneficial for, for the citizenry. Well, I, I would have said, um, you know, as 
Good luck selling that to a politician. You know, it's, um, I, and I always try to, in these conversations, think of myself. Um, and, you know, politicians, I think they understand who, you know, eventually you, you know, in a popular democracy, you have to get um, votes in order to win. And persons, you know, who help you get those votes, they have expectations. And so I think for them, they tend to, you know, leave that room. They want to have these agencies where they have some sort of flexibility and control to, you know, use the power they have to some, you know, provide some sort of benefit to themselves as well as to their, um, you know, constituents. And so I think it it takes a hard conversation and a hard acceptance to say, you know what, I'm going to tie my hands and take these traditional um, agencies where we can, you know, we have some sort of flexibility, transfer them to the private sector, and then we're a bit, you know, hands are tied, persons come to us, we can't really help, um, we can't step and we can't, you know, stop a private company from, you know, doing what private companies do. And so I think that's a, a difficult um, conversation for in the political arena. But um, like we see it, you know, at some point it, it becomes unsustainable and, you know, we just keep weighing ourselves down for short-term gain. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the control so much right now if these organizations that they were controlling were profitable or are not a drain on, on the public finances. So, well, panel, we have come to the end of part one of another enlightening discussion titled Using Public-Private Partnerships to Stimulate the Bohemian Economy. Thank you, audience, for listening. We at CFAL trust you are keeping safe and adhering to all of the COVID-19 safety protocols. Please subscribe to the CFAL Talks podcast on Apple or Google Podcasts for more thought-provoking and educational discussions on important issues affecting the Bahamian economy. CFAL Talks podcast would love to hear from you, our listeners, on what financial or economic topics you would like to hear our experts discuss. Please send your suggestions to info at cfile.com or post on our Facebook page or on our website at www.cfile.com.